Hey everybody, welcome to the first podcast of the last year of existence. <laughs> <laughs> I learn everything um, about life through the movies, and because I saw mm-hmm. the film 2012... We both, we reviewed it together. Yeah, I'm assuming that you're correct. Yeah, it, well, yeah. all I know is... it happened in the movies then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All over the world right now, billionaires are culling their money, and they're Putting them, they're buying tickets onto giant arc-like ships, yeah, and being Titanic. assembled underground, yep. so that they can just drive around the flooded Earth yep. of 2012. And that's, they're going to make sure that there's only enough safety boats for the rich. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Um, I learned that from the movies. So, <laughs> anyway, this is Trevor McGee from Lawrence.com, and I'm here with Eric Moline, and we are here today to talk about movie. And uh, Eric uh, picks some anticipated movies for the uh, rest of the year that we should be looking forward to, which, again, last year of, of existence, so we've really got to look forward to them. Yeah. Um, but before we do any of that, I really want to talk about the movie that's opening at Liberty Hall this Friday, uh, one Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yes. And it's based on the John Le Carre novel. John Le Carre. Carre. Yeah, as I found out before I did my review for oh, Kansas yeah? First News. Did they? I had to look it up on Wikipedia how to pronounce it. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So anyway, they, they, they did uh, John Le Carre. It's a nice adaptation. He actually had a very interesting background in um, um, British uh, intelligence. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his, his spy novels and his espionage stuff sort of had a very grounded feel to it. And this uh, this book came out in 1974, and it's widely considered to be his his best, uh, uh, you know, novel. And it's already been a- a- adapted for British television. Yeah, uh, in 75, I think, or 76, with Alec Guinness in the role of Smiley, uh, who's played in the movie by Gary Oldman. Yeah, very much so. And uh, Gary Oldman has not been really he's not been as recognized for his performance in this movie as I expected he would be. It's a subtle performance. It's restrained to say the least. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, obviously Oscar goes for more showy type roles, but mm-hmm. Gary Oldman in this film um, is is I mean, it, there, there's a very subtle emotional arc that he carries in this movie involving uh, a subplot involving his wife yeah. and uh, a, a, a character in the movie who uh, she's unfaithful with. Uh, and like everything else in the film, this is is very understated to the point where uh, you may almost not quite understand what's happening. Um, but there is a, a, a bit of an emotional charge. I think this film uh, is trying to be so British uh, that um, you know it's it's really like a, a sticking point. It's a it's something uh, in in order to make a movie about the Cold War, mm-hmm. they had to make every single character as emotionally repressed and and uh, no pun intended chilly as uh-huh. possible. Uh-huh. And um, uh-huh. and yeah, uh-huh. so uh, I don't I I see why Gary Oldman's not being noticed. Okay. I think there's a wider thing at play here, yeah, which is that a lot of people uh, are are heralding this movie, mm-hmm. but few people actually uh, want to admit that it's not very effective. Okay. Well, that's a bold statement. It is. Before I get into it, though, let's back up a little bit and talk about the actual movie a little bit without giving anything away. Um, it is directed by the uh, uh, the gentleman who directed the original Let the Right One In. Tomas Alfredson. Right. So it's it's a very uh, much a European restrained kind of film. Um, the cast includes not only Gary Oldman, but also uh, one uh, Colin Firth, Toby Jones, John Hurt, Mark Strong, um, some some guy named Siren um, um, <laughs> Hines is in it. Tom yeah, Hardy's. In yeah, it. I was gonna say some guy named Tom Hardy. Um, 
Yeah, so th- there are several. Uh, uh, a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes, actually. Only like two minor female roles in the entire film. Yeah, and Gary Oldman's wife's face is never shown on screen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which, in, in, oddly enough, Meryl Streep. What? <laughs> Meryl Streep, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. was over there filming The Iron Lady. And yeah, she just, she just like, came oh, over and did the thing real quick. Headshot. I'm surprised she didn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She was in it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not uh, Meryl Streep, so don't comment that it was. The film is about there's 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 a mole um, inside MI6. A mole at the top of the British Secret Service. Yeah. A Soviet mole. Yeah. So there's a mole. Right at the top of the circus. Stop it. <laughs> and um, See the preview. Before you the preview see, you is very to effective. See, this movie, see the preview, yeah. read every plot summary you can find. In fact, read the book. See the other miniseries first. You're giving us so much homework. I'm I didn't saying, do any of if, this. Yeah, and I but, saw it and I liked every bit of it. And I challenge you on the fact that you understood every uh, plot point and the uh, reason that it was supposed to be suspenseful. Okay. I'm saying this movie is not well put together from the standpoint of being a thriller. I disagree. You have that. to establish stakes mm-hmm. and then you have to raise those stakes. Mm-hmm. People have to get emotionally invested about whether you succeed or not, and then you have resolution. This movie has none of that. There's Zero. A, there's of a it. very clear resolution to this well, movie. Well, there's a resolution. There's a very, very clear somebody, resolution. To somebody this is found out to be the mole and taken care of. Sure. Yeah. But that that. <laughs> so what? It, so that's the only thing it has, right? I'm talking no, about like I the way that you build a suspense film, uh-huh. and and this this movie uh, has. Is, is too restrained and too repressed for its own good. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. Is that you can you can make a movie that is aesthetically pleasing with the best art direction uh, and the most stylish set design and and the most beautifully composed widescreen uh, shots, mm-hmm. and you can still have that movie be as lifeless and dull as this one. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't agree with anything you just said. Here, here's what it, here's what I really liked about the. There, there are several things I really enjoyed about Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. The main thing is that I haven't seen a movie all year that has uh, expected more of an audience. You have to pay attention. It, you have to focus and follow every frame of this movie. You don't have to write down names. You don't have to. Um, you know. You don't have it, to. It would help. Bring a notebook, kids. You don't have to write down names, and you don't need to have any previous experience with with the novel or the miniseries or anything else. You just have to pay attention. And there's no character that runs in and says, that means if so-and-so is, nope. doesn't answer the and phone, then he's, he's the mole. Yep. Like You're that, supposed to tell that visually. That, that doesn't story. happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I believe they did do that because I was able to pick up on all of it through the visual cues and plot structure. This so I don't see how it was ineffective if I was able to do it. Right, um, right. And I'm challenging you I on that. And did. we could go through the film at okay. every given moment and mm-hmm. I could and I could say Well you can't say that. You can't say you every given moment because this... there's there are it's intentionally mysterious at times. You can't say at every given moment you didn't you, you can't tell me you knew what was going on at every given moment. No, and that was why it was suspenseful. This there is are a moments really good where point. you don't really you don't really get there. Right. And and one of the things that it does that I thought was very clever, I mean, again, it doesn't it doesn't feed anything into the audience. So the script intentionally obscures. Hang on a second. Things that it shouldn't. That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I I disagree. I think. I mean, it intentionally does it, and I think it should do it because every other thriller or every other movie does that anyway. So it's kind of nice when something goes a little differently. That there, there are scenes in the film that um, may or may not be flashbacks, and it's eventually revealed that they, whether or not they are. 
and that affects the overall plot. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that it was as a stellar, as a storytelling device, um, being able to use something we've seen a thousand times, a flashback, but leave it. It's an amb- ambiguous uh, flashback, and it's used very effectively here. And I I liked how skillfully that was done. Um, and there are several times during the film when that happens, um, where it's something we've seen before, but it's just a little bit different, or a little more subtle, or a little quieter, or a and little. That's the, s- the little strategy focus. of the screenplay: is to take these moments and show them to you in one mm-hmm. context, and then give you a piece of information that changes that context, so that you will look at it differently after you know this piece of information. Yeah. That's that's a, a classic mode of storytelling. I'm saying this movie did things like that too often. I'm saying that it relied on it as a crutch yeah. and that the characters themselves uh, and the actors who were basically just sleepwalking through these roles, uh, they, they don't establish any reason for you to care what's going on or to even follow uh, the proceedings that are happening. The, the fact that they're calling it a suspense thriller, uh, you can tell that by maybe some of the musical cues and uh, how some of the scenes play out. There's a total of of uh, two instances of gunfire in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and um, to say that that <laughs> one of them is about as understated as you can get is uh, an understatement. Um, but uh, w- what I'm saying an is understatement that understatement and understating. Yeah, I That's went a little far with that. But um, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm saying that there is. Uh, a critical consensus for people to jump on this film and say, look how artfully done it was. And I think that they're not quite admitting to themselves that um, it wasn't successful. And, and, and you know, I, I had a, a film professor once who... Um, Which means I probably had a film professor once too. We both did. Who, who, who said that anybody who pretends to understand the plot of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is just faking it. And I feel like him right now. Like I'm this and he was wrong by the way because yeah, he was totally there wrong. there are people who and understand you're wrong it too. and I'm one of them. And 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 so I'm I'm trying to point out now how easy it is to poke holes in my argument mm-hmm. that um that uh, that you can't understand this film. Yeah. Uh, on a first viewing without any uh, plot summary preview mm-hmm. uh, uh knowledge of the novel or whatever. I've seen the film twice. So I'm just giving you my yeah. personal experience. I've seen it twice too. Um, and, and even after the second time, there were still tons of things that, um, I didn't understand why when you, when you watch a scene in a movie, you're supposed to know nothing in a movie is accidental, right? The directors put a scene there for a reason. Each one serves a purpose. And in this film, I feel like you watch scene after scene. And even after you get information later on, uh, that is revealed, uh, that that the purpose, the reason he put it in there was not successful. It doesn't get across anything uh, that makes suspense. I'm saying that as a suspense thriller, mm-hmm. this movie fails because okay. it's not suspenseful at all. Okay. Despite what the musical cues and and some of the cinematography so, uh, are, are telling. So if you're so hung up, like if you're so hung up on the definition of it, I mean, what if it? What if you just looked at it as a drama? What if you just looked well, at it no as a drama film? in it? So I, I'm having a hard time. I mean, you, you seem like. I used to quote from Alfred Hitchcock in my review. I said uh, that he used to say this famous thing about drama. Mm-hmm. What is drama if not life with all the dull bits cut out? This right. movie is made up entirely of dull bits. No, I, entirely. I really don't think it and is. And it's trying to make I think drama it's a very, it, and it's I, unsuccessful. I think it's, a very, uh, I think it's a very metered and very focused and a very performance-driven um, movie. And I really liked watching Gary Oldman live in that character. It was really neat to see um, 
I liked his, watching his him go character. for a swim. I liked watching him. <laughs> his two swims. <laughs> Jesus. He's got to stay in shape, man. I mean, I, I get it. I love the... Um, and the, see, the, I don't understand the how like those that small it had moments getting across these ideas. I don't understand how you take issue with those small moments, but in other films, when there's a small, there's a moment where you just get to see a character be a character, like you know, Chinatown when when Giddis is waiting for his turn in the library and he's just kind of making small talk, or, or like or in checking. Fargo when uh, yeah. March has the conversation. So I don't with understand what chum. Right, I yeah. don't understand why those get a pass, but moments like this that just kind of show the character being the character. It's a uh, it's a failure because the moments surrounding them aren't successful either. All right, that's that's so my, you just throw the baby out with the bathwater then. I'm throwing because this the moments whole, because the moments aren't out. successful. I'm saying I'm saying let's celebrate <clears throat> it for uh, its its uh, widescreen composition. Let's celebrate <laughs> its art direction and costume design. Okay. Uh, let's celebrate the sets. Um, it's it's certainly more interesting to look at than the BBC version, which which I got sent to me as well, and I'm going to be reviewing soon on, on Scene Stealers. Cool. But the difference is that the BBC version understood that this book is labyrinthine, mm-hmm. and they've got five uh, or six in, in Britain parts to tell the story, full hours. Right. And, and the way that they tell the story is very, very different in the movie. And I'm yeah. saying that I am watching the, the British miniseries mm-hmm. and picking up things that I had no idea about in the movie. And I know they had to compress things for the movie. I'm saying the way they compress them uh, is, is unsuccessful and that this movie is just not suspenseful. I admire it. I admire mm-hmm. the way it looks, and I, I understand why critics are jumping on this bandwagon. But this is, by de- very definition, not a thriller because it's not thrilling or suspenseful. And that's – I know that this is an unpopular opinion right now. I'm just being honest with myself. That's, I've seen it twice, and I fell asleep the first it, time. I know. So you've seen it one and a half times. One and a half times, yeah, technically. Uh, you got to do what you got to do. I, I don't know. I, to me, I enjoyed it very much. I, I, not just on a technical level like you described, but I also enjoyed the performances. I liked that they were restrained. I liked that they were controlled and metered. I thought, uh, um, I thought Tom Hardy did a fantastic job in his As the small only part. person with a personality in the entire film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw, throw a cheap shot in there. Why not? I didn't interrupt, I didn't interrupt you when you went on your uh, pretentious thing, but yeah. Throw you a, should. Yeah, you should I should. Yeah, I should. Which, by the way, nice Hitchcock quote where it was W.C. Fields. Were there no W.C. Fields there quotes any, no, there that weren't applied? Any, you were just there weren't out any of Wells, them. Orson Welles quotes. No Welles quotes that yeah. you couldn't use. I'm sorry, dull bits. I, I, movies I really don't think comprised it, of dull I don't bits. think the it quote is. is apt. It totally. I fits. don't think it is, man. I really, I enjoyed watching those characters be characters. I enjoyed like just how things worked. There was some suspense to it. I liked, but you know, it's subtle. It's, it's very real. It's a realistic type of suspense. It's not the kind of thing where if I don't diffuse the bomb, we're all going to oh, die. It's, agreed. it's, it's, you but, know, like him trying like the, I won't say that which character it is, but it's the character trying to sneak out of the circus with the files right. or it's Tom Hardy trying to figure out which whether or not the girl got that was out. Well, that was well done because so I Tom, realized this, you know, it's, it's Tom Hardy having a hard time, Figuring out whether or not this this contact has made it out okay. That's a really chilling flashback and a really moving moment in the film. Um, I really enjoyed the reveal of who it was because um, leading up to it, you know, you really weren't sure what was happening, and you were. I I, I knew that we were going to find out. I mean, I knew what was happening. I knew what was going on in terms that we were going to find out, but I didn't know, you know, who it was going to be. And so the idea of the reveal really had me excited to see who it was and and how it was going to be handled and also what was going to come next you know was it going to build towards some sort of uh, dramatic departure where it's a shootout or it's you know a, a yelling match or it's a you know it turns out to be more than one mole and it's a mexican standoff you know 
and the way that it's handled is again it it it, it snaps it right back to earth and more of that sort of realistic drama and that realistic thrill and that's what I enjoyed you know I'm glad, I, I'm glad you brought that back I'm glad you said realistic because, because that was something you said earlier and I wanted yeah. to interrupt you but I let you finish okay in, anyway that's that's what I enjoyed about it so I know you really want to talk realistic so is it. not a word. I would ever use to describe this film. If you watch the original BBC series, it's a bunch of old dudes Mm -hmm. sitting in a cottage-like room Mm -hmm. on the third floor of a building, uh, and there's tea everywhere, and um, the 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 art direction and and the set design in in the original BBC miniseries looks like Britain in 1974. This looks like some sort of uh, you know Antonioni film. don't want yeah. to mispronounce his name, but it's it's very specific, it's very artistic, and and the his version of the British intelligence is like some sort of space age James Bond version of what 1974 looked like, right? If you if you've gone to Graceland and you've seen uh, some of the rooms there, this mm-hmm. movie resembles that. The 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 British miniseries doesn't look anything like that. I mean, there's no if you want realism, these guys are the most buttoned down dudes ever, and they're and they're sitting in in environments that would not be uh, interesting to film. So let's not use the word realistic when we talk about at least the look of this film. Well, I wasn't. I was using it when I was talking about the performances and the way that the plot, the the way the plot and the drama was conveyed. Drama unfolds. No, no quotes necessary. (laughs) Anyway, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and I liked the. I I really liked Gary Oldman in it. It was very interesting to see him. Um, He's always great, but it was just kind of neat to see him fill that character out by the end of it. I didn't really feel like he, it was Gary Oldman. I just kind of felt no, like, a, there like are, a guy. This movie's full of things to admire, so, but plot anyway, and suspense is not one of them. I, you know, I disagree, but you, you can find out for your own today because, uh, Tinker Taylor soldier spy opens at Liberty hall. Yes. You should go see it. Um, and then also there's still my week with Maryland is yeah. there too. You so. know, I would recommend any serious fan of film go see this movie just to kind of process it for yourself. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm I'm telling you my personal experience it certainly is not the the one of uh of of most critics. Well, I mean, in the a lot of right I now. think a lot of a lot of critics are liking it but not enough to nominate Oldman or give it any sort of notice. It's not won anything. Right. You know. Right. But a lot, I've I've read some pretty strong reviews for it. The AV Club really liked it and they more or less said um, what I just said. Yeah, if you're but, not, if you're, if you didn't like this movie, you were too stupid to figure out. That's not what. I, that's no, not I mean what that's I that's that's what a lot of the, the yeah. notices for it. And I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think you have to be of a certain intelligence to figure it out or or know what's going on. But it just requires your attention. And that's the thing. And a lot of times, I mean, it requires it, and challenges you to keep your attention. It's not the kind of movie that you're going to be. I mean, we had screener copies, you know. And I knew it was going to be just you'd said, you know, that it it was a pretty challenging movie to get through. And so I just made it a point and I do this with all the screeners, but I especially made it a point here that that's all I did. You know, right. Just the movie it should be noted. No phones the or tablets or any other, you know, like just just focus on right. the, the movie at hand. The first time I saw it in the theater and fell asleep. So I was focused yeah. completely on it. Hey, admittedly, I was tired. I'd been up late the night before. Sure. And 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 you will agree with me. This is a slow film. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. very much so. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a very deliberate metered film, which I usually like. So, yeah. 
Anyway, so that's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. We've talked about it for, for quite a bit now. I still, we, we're both saying you should see it um, for different reasons, but the bottom line is check it out. It, it is a very well done movie at the very, you know, whether you, whether or not you agree on what Eric and I are going through um, on, a, on a production <laughs> we have level. a lot to work through. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in counseling, yep. but you know, um, on a, on just a basic production level, it's, it's one of those movies you can just kind of sit back and marvel at. at it times. should be nominated for several technical C- awards. Cinematography and art direction for sure. Costume design, special yep. uh, makeup and special effects for Gary Oldman, I think would definitely warrant that and i liked the soundtrack it was minimal but i enjoyed the soundtrack too original score wouldn't be bad Oof, but minimal it was minimal but you know that's Jesus. that's just me <laughs> um so anyway uh, you have on our site this week you've got the 10 most in, or 10 movies to look forward to in 2012 yeah so we've gone through the top 10 um, yeah, the anticipated best. films anticipated films we should talk about yeah real quick. the one i'm most excited about um is a movie called gravity and this is alfonso, alfonso Cuaron. Uh, I kind of threw that one in there. Most of my picks were, were pretty mainstream ones. I wanted them to be people, th- movies that people would recognize um, from either the title uh, or the fact that it's a, a sequel or the director. But Alfonso Cuaron is a guy, uh, because of Children of Men and because of, um, what was it, the third Harry Potter movie? What the hell is that? Uh, Prisoner, Prisoner of Azkaban, of Azkaban. Yeah. which I, I think is the best one. Is that the third? I thought it was the that doesn't third. matter. Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban. Um, but Quaron is a really interesting director, and I, I think Children of Men is one of the best movies of the last decade. Yeah, um, it was. And he's doing sci-fi again. Uh, what's really interesting about this is it's a very small story. It's about two astronauts who uh, are, are basically stuck in space after an accident. And it's <laughs> – this is the weird thing. It's George Clooney mm-hmm. and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we know that, that Clooney has his arty side. He's certainly done enough Soderbergh, weird Soderbergh uh, movies and Coen Brothers movies yeah. to, uh, to qualify as somebody, and even the American from last year, as, as, a, as a guy who takes risks with uh, uh, you know, he's art He's reached films. the stage where he just wants to do what he wants to do. Yeah, so and he, he doesn't have to work with anybody. So Quaron right. uh, is, is one of those guys who I think is really at the top of his game right now as an auteur. Um, and this movie is is filmed by Emmanuel uh, Lubezki, who mm-hmm. is the guy who did uh, The Tree of Life Tree and of Life. also uh, Children of Men, which right. should have won cinematography that Can't year. Can't believe that it didn't. That's if you haven't seen Children of Men yet, please, please do yeah. before you ever listen to this podcast again. Um, it it has one of the single greatest tracking shots. Two, two, I yeah. guess. But it's got just one, especially of the just greatest tracking shots of all time yeah in it so um so i'm excited about gravity it's it's filmed on a lower budget and that's it was been in production for a while digital. Too. well it went through a bunch of different actors yeah kind of so. like uh what was it the the fountain aronowski's mm-hmm. fountain went through brad pitt and kate blanchett and these other people before it finally settled on yep and, settled on. and this is a passion project so i that's really all i know about it and for me that's that's enough but i'm, I'm excited about that one um also, it's, it's going to be a good year for sci-fi and fantasy. If you're yeah. a fan of sci-fi or fantasy, you've got a really good year ahead of you between John Carter, um, which depending on where you come down on the trailer, um, you can look forward to it. I don't know anyone who's actually like a fan of the original books. John um, Tibbetts, well, yeah, our film professor. Very he much. talked about this movie uh, incessantly throughout the years that I took classes books. from he him. He talked about the books. Well, he talks about the idea of the movie because oh, right. this has been through uh, a million mm-hmm. different people since the 80s. The rights have been thrown mm-hmm. around. I actually and reviewed a visions. version of it that 
um, I think, I think, uh, did you do for an insomniac movie? Yeah, I did. And the asylum, I think made a version when they had the rights and it was Antonio Sabato jr. I believe. And then maybe Kari were, I don't know. Yeah. But they had the, uh, they had the rights and they had to do something with it. So they made a really crappy, uh, and when we talk about John the, Carter movie. the rights, we're talking about John or Edgar Rice Burroughs' mm-hmm. character, John Carter of Mars, mm-hmm. uh, and the series of books and what? The, the, it starts the with tens, the Princess the teens, of Mars. The 19 teens? What do you yeah, call that? I, I don't know. The tens. Yeah, and there's like 10 or 11 books in this series. So, yeah, dime store novels that just kind of caught on. Have some, it, there's some interesting mythology to it, um, and it really just sort of was a precursor to a lot of major themes in science fiction. I mean, you don't, without... Without uh, John Carter of Mars or a Princess of Mars, then you don't have Flash Gordon. And without Flash Gordon, you don't have space operas. And without space operas, you don't have Star Wars. There you, you go. Know? So um, anyway, Andrew Stanton, first-time director, live-action director, I should say, um, who hopefully he'll steal a page from Brad Bird's book. But he's directing this live-action version. It's got Taylor Kitsch from Friday Night Lights. And um, Mark Strong's in it again. There are a couple other people that I didn't recognize right away. Taylor Kitsch was horrible in that Wolverine movie. Yeah. Was he playing Rogue? No, no. Um, Gambit. Not Rogue. Yeah, Gambit, the New Orleans dude. Yeah, that was yeah. terrible. He's, I, I'm, I'm not sold on him as an actor, honestly. Yeah. I never thought he was that compelling in Friday Night Lights, but whatever. Well, Andrew Stanton uh, did Wally and yeah. Finding Nemo. Um, I have a little bit of faith. This is Disney putting this on. They yeah. took Of Mars out of the title because they didn't want to alienate women as a demographic. So they're just calling it John Carter. Sure. Um, I know a lot of women that were going to see it if Mars is in the title. (laughs) But now that it's not, they're on board. They're they're on board. Shirtless Taylor Kitsch, they were like, maybe. Yeah. If there's not Mars in the title, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, You know, another sci-fi movie that's going to be big, uh, The Hunger Games, based on that uh, trilogy of of books by Suzanne Collins. We actually... um, uh, The Hunger Games is on our 11 uh, books to read in 2011. Uh, last year and and that was a really great pick because it's picked up and now it's everywhere and this is going to be the first of what they're hoping to be three movies uh josh josh hutcherson is a um sort of a newcomer that plays one of the kids but the the big star here is jennifer lawrence who i don't think she can do a movie where she doesn't have to have um uh just crap all over her you know, she always plays a role where she's she's either in makeup or she's in the Missouri backwoods fighting meth dealers or, you know, she's always dirty or beat up. And The Hunger Games, she's going to get uh, put through her paces as well. It's Battle Royale, man. It's, it's essentially That's the things. I, I, it's, I it's the... Battle Royale. These teens, each each province has to select two tributes um, and then they all go and they're trained to uh, uh, they're trained in the art of survival, as the trailer says, and then they are released into a giant games area, which is a wooded, yeah. crazy area, and uh, proceed to hunt and kill each other. There's two things that I thought about when I first heard about this series. The first one is, this is the same as Battle Royale. And the second one is, how is this a popular young adult series where teens in the future actually kill each other? Oh, like, totally. what, how is this well, something that, that, you know, that teens should be... I don't know. Reading, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess when I was a teenager, I was already reading some heavy Grandpa stuff. Grandpa Moline, just go away. I don't know. It's just, anyway, I'm not excited the, about the, it. The big, the big draw here is just, uh, it's directed, or the big draw. It's directed by Gary Ross, which isn't anything. I mean, he did Pleasantville, which I enjoyed a lot. I love Pleasantville. And Seabiscuit, which I didn't. But the the other thing is, uh, we mentioned him earlier, but uh, uh, Steven Soderbergh did um, Secondary on this. 
What? You didn't know that? Yeah. No. What do you mean he did secondary? Secondary he was, direction. He, 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 yeah. He's he, in the second crew? He shot pickups and all this stuff. For, Soderbergh? Yeah, he's he friends cash? with Gary Ross. No, he's he's Weird. friends with Gary Ross, but yeah, he shot secondary on this. Okay, everybody, here's our second unit director. You may know <laughs> him as the guy who won an Oscar. <laughs> as, Academy, as Academy Award winning yeah. director of traffic contagion. He's here to do pickups Ocean today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Extras to take your place. Anyway, wow. uh, then you know we've got the Avengers and the Amazing Spider-Man, two Marvel's two big guns for the summer. Did you? I finally watched the trailer for the Amazing Spider-Man, uh-huh. and, I, and I'm totally against trailers. But you you embedded it after I wrote the article, sure. which I still hadn't seen it. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to check this out. Yeah. Uh, because I, I I read that it was filmed in 3D. Yeah. Not that it's going to be up converted. And I thought, man, they really better have something to to do differently on here. And holy crap! You're a big fan of that. First I person love that first thing. person. Yes. Really? I'm not yes. a big fan. His arms and legs, and his web is in front of him, and mm-hmm. we get to experience the thrill of flying through the air mm-hmm. uh, on the skyscrapers atop New York City. And I have to say. Yes. Here's my that hope. That was cool. Here's my hope. Nothing that else in the trailer made me excited, but that, that my, was cool. My hope is that that's just in the trailer, not in the actual film, because that'll be infuriating oh, in the I film. Oh, that was awesome. Um, as a ride, it'd be fun. As a as a filmic device, I don't buy it at all. Well, we'll see. But anyway. As a, um, as a, as a ride not a big, on the trailer, it worked. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the biggest movie franchises the last decade. They rebooted it because they wanted to hang on to the rights, but they couldn't get everybody to play ball. Tobey Maguire was game, but Sam Raimi had had a pretty crummy experience with Sony after the third one. Yeah, but Sam turned and, in a budget and yeah, they rejected it. And they rejected the budget, which is the studio's way of saying no. Yeah. And it could have been Raimi submitting a, a you know astronomical budget in the hopes that they'd veto it. It's hard to yeah. But it's a reboot. They needed to keep the rights. They're starting over. They've got the guy who directed 500 Days of Summer, Mark Webb. And um, and it also stars Andrew Garfield from The Social Network and Emma Stone. Uh, that's really all there is to say about it. Um, Rice Iphens is going to be the, uh, uh, the lizard. Yes. And that's really all you need to know. Oh, and then also Martin Sheen is going to be Uncle Ben this time. And Sally Field is Aunt May. From the trailer, Aunt it looked May. like they were rehashing a lot uh, from the first they movie. Try and I make was it told l- they weren't going to do that, so yeah. that was disappointing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll just gloss over it real fast. Um, the Avengers, everyone knows about the Avengers. It's going to have every, basically every big summer movie that Marvel's done for the last five years is going to get condensed into one um, giant uh, movie. So we'll have The Incredible the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Nick Fury, the Black Widow and um, Jeremy Renner, of course, as Hawkeye, will all be fighting against Tom Hiddleston, of all people. Yeah, against Loki. <laughs> Loki. Um, and the big draw here, I, I think the cast is great. I'm really looking forward to it. But the real reason I'm looking forward to it isn't because, you know, oh, my God, it's finally happening or whatever. I actually I have a lot of faith in Joss Whedon as, yes. a, as a writer and director of the project. And he... Um, if handles can do this, he can do it. Yeah, he handles ensembles incredibly well, and he's responsible for one of the best ensemble comics ever. Um, his run on Astonishing X-Men with John Cassidy is not to be missed. If you haven't had a chance to read it, do so. Cause it's, and his it's seven fantastic. years doing Buffy the Vampire His seven years Slayer. doing Buffy. <laughs> his seven years doing Buffy, and now he does the Buffy comic. And that continued the season. So he's on, like, season nine in Buffy now or something. Um, the the movie though that's going to make the most money all summer is The Dark Knight Rises, and that comes out July twentieth. Um, I was fortunate enough to I didn't get to see the six minute teaser thing, but I did um, un- unwittingly get to see the trailer before Mission Impossible when we saw it in IMAX, and it 
is jaw dropping in IMAX. I mean, it, the trailer is fantastic. I know you haven't seen it, um, but uh, I heard that Bane's dialogue was incomprehensible. That's what a lot of people have been saying. In the trailer, you can understand it, and from what I understand, they've they've submitted a new mix that for the precede. And then I saw um, something after after that. That, that, said, that, that said, said that they that didn't. False, so who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I I have enough faith in the director. I don't think he would release a movie where you can't understand ninety exactly. percent of what the main the main villain says. The guy who's going to be on the screen almost as much as Batman himself. Not Robert Altman. So yeah, I don't think he's. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to do that. But you know, you never know. Sense. He might. Um, and then we've got the Born Legacy uh, on August third. And uh, you put that on there just to spread things out. I'll back up, though. There is a movie, uh, June 6th, that I, I'm looking forward to. Um, and it's Prometheus. That's Ridley Scott's return to the sort of the alien lore. It's, it's you know technically not a prequel, but it's kind of a prequel. There are definitely some images of things you see in the first alien are present in the trailer. That's got a fantastic cast that includes Michael Fassbender, Numi Rapace, Charlize Theron, um, I'm really um, Idris Elba, so I'm really looking forward to that. And and I was saying to Eric before we started the podcast, Ridley Scott is a great director, and his biggest challenge is he can even he can take a bad script and make a good movie. He can make it visually interesting because he can make it visually interesting, and he can pull some good performances out of some good actors. Um, Gladiator, you know, is a Gladiator is a great example because the script wasn't finished when it started, and a lot of the things that are sort of iconic about that movie in terms of you know. Um, um, the the sayings and mottos and everything those were sort of made up on the spot um, from Russell Crowe or from other members of the cast. So, but with a movie like this, they've taken their time and there is an actual script in place well before. So I'm very much looking forward to Prometheus. And if you haven't seen the trailer yet, please do, um, especially in HD. And if you can on a television, because it is uh, pretty jaw dropping to see some of what's shot already. And then the last big movie of the year, well, okay, not the last, but um, the other big movie that everyone's going to flip out about um, in the in the winter is The Hobbit. We get the first part of Peter Jackson's two part adaptation of The Hobbit, um, and I can't, I couldn't believe it when I read your description. Um, but I, it's been nine years, yeah, since pretty crazy. That's huh? nuts. I'm yeah. so old. Yeah, I'm so. So sad and old. Tell me about it. So, but yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been nine years. It's been nine years. So it's his return to the whole Lord of the Rings universe. You get uh, Ian McKellen as Gandalf again. Um, 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 Elijah Wood is going to be Frodo for a couple of seconds in some flashback stuff. And then you've got Martin Freeman, who's probably best known from the British office or Mm -hmm. from Tim in the uh, recent Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, film recent i say like 2004 or 5 he was and, arthur dent yeah he was yeah. arthur dent in that film um he will be young frodo and um yeah that film you is going to yeah young bilbo sorry yeah. we young bilbo baggins and uh that movie is going to be uh fantastic i think um but everyone is saying that so uh, i'm really looking forward i'm glad they haven't shown the dragon yet and I hope that they don't for as long as they can well i don't know the book i hope that he's, well. i hope this he's not even in the first half yeah, i don't think he's he in the first half okay well, he, there's some references to him, and you get some description of him destroying cities and things like that. So it'd be little little snippets it could, to get us excited. Yeah, and then they might do sort of like they teased Hopefully Gollum. Obscured, yeah, obscured. you know how they teased Gollum in the first movie, and you didn't yeah. see him at all. It might be something like that. Anyway, really looking forward to the Hobbit. Um, that that'll be huge for the fall or for the winter. By that time, it's December. But then the last big movie I'm excited about for the whole year comes out on my birthday. Django Unchained comes out on Christmas. And that is Quentin Tarantino's first foray into, well, 
his first <laughs> official foray into the spaghetti western. It's technically his fourth. Yeah. I mean, Kill Bill, both the Kill Bills and Inglorious Bastards sure. were very spaghetti western. At times they were yeah. absolutely. But So, and even this one he's still he's not uh he's not doing it as a western. It's set in the deep south. Yeah. Um, it's during uh, uh, slavery. Yep. So. Jamie Foxx stars as a freed slave who's been trained um, and into a masterful cutthroat assassin by a, German, by a German bounty hunter played by Christoph Waltz. Leonardo DiCaprio plays against his usual, his usual type I'm and is a that. crazy Mississippi club owner that, that, has, uh, um, that raises slaves to fight and kill each other and just and does Samuel Jackson is all kinds of terrible slave. stuff. And his, his, yeah, his house yeah. slave is Sam Jackson who, um, um, trains the, trains, uh, the, the, the other slaves. I'm happy to see Jackson and, return to the Tarantino fold because, um, you know, he did that, that small part, but, but huge in part Bill. in the plot and no, in, in, uh, Oh, in uh, glorious bastards. In, <laughs> Uh, Jackie Brown, <laughs> but that was the last significant. Yeah, he's role done voiceover he work, and yeah. he's he's in the second part of Kill Bill, and he does um, the voiceover work in Glorious. But yeah, it'd be good to see him back on screen with that. You also get Don Johnson, who um, I, I enjoy watching Don Johnson in his later years, especially on Eastbound and Down, and Kurt Russell, who I think is the one of my he's one of my favorite actors of all time. That cast is rounded out with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony LaPaglia, Kerry Washington, the RZA. There are going to be more people in it, I'm sure. He's not even done casting it yet, so it'll be going for a while. Um, but anyway, those are the movies. The last one, real quick, is The Great Gatsby, which is Baz Luhrmann's long-overdue film. It also comes out on Christmas. It's going to star DiCaprio again, as well as Carrie Mulligan, which I think is a perfect part for that as Daisy. And then uh, Toby Maguire, which remember Toby Maguire? Remember what he did? <laughs> so that that's also on the twenty fifth. I'm not exactly excited about that. I think Lerman's a very showy director. That there's usually not a lot of substance underneath. He's kind of a he makes cream puff movies. They're delicious and ornate on the outside, but any deeper, Sometimes it's just kind of boring. He can he can slow. get across some uh, some very simple. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? God damn it. Uh, um, he can pull some themes together. He can do some. He can he can connect on a very operatic level. Yeah, I'm just. It's not coming to me the yeah. word that I'm looking for right now. But um, you know, emotions that we all relate to. Very simple, grand gestures, and sometimes they work better than others. I think Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge is a perfect example of of him doing that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Australia is a perfectly soulless of him example doing of that him wrong. It up. So yeah. I'm hoping that we're going to get. More of the former and less of the latter with uh, The Great Gatsby. And I couldn't find out when I was doing research for this film mm-hmm. whether it's in 3D or not. I think, he shot it in, about it. I think he shot it in 3D. Well, they but... talked about it. All, all okay. the research I did said, oh, it's going to be in 3D. It's going to be in 3D. But then there was still discussion whether right. he did it or not. And there's nothing been written on it lately. So okay. um, it's weird. But yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. But I, I wouldn't either. We'll but who knows? We'll find year, out in sure. December. But uh, anyway, that's all we've got to talk about right now. We're, we've gone way over our usual limit, so I think it's time for us to get out of here. But uh, definitely see Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Um, if you had a chance to see Melancholia, good for you. If not, you missed out. And uh, that's it. So we're going to go, and everyone have a good weekend. And we will see you next week when we talk about the Kansas City Film Critics Circle's choices 
for We're voting on Sunday. We're voting on Sunday, yep. so we'll let you know what happens. Until then.